Blog Talk Radio. Hello and welcome to Leading Edge Love Radio. This is your host, Sumati Sparks, the Open Relationship Coach at SumatiSparks.com. And today I'm really looking forward to speaking with my friend Carolyn and her partner Jim. Uh, they are a couple in their 60s who have managed to figure out how to keep their life fun, playful, juicy, sexy, interesting, and they seem to be always smiling and going to wonderful places together. So I can't wait to hear more about their secret and how they've kept their relationship yummy. So uh, welcome, Carolyn, to the show. Thanks, Sumati. I'm really glad to be here talking with you. I always love talking with you. Awesome. Hey, thanks. And welcome, Jim. Yeah, thanks, Sumati. Yes, very, very pleased to be on this show. Thanks so much for inviting us. Awesome. So I really wanted to speak with you, Carolyn, because I want to talk a little bit more to Carolyn at first, and then we'll bring Jim in, of course. Um, but Carolyn, I was really excited about your book writing, your memoir. I know you have a couple of published. Mm-hmm. Both of you are bo- both of you are published authors. Both of you are PhDs. You're both intelligent, successful people who have found each other later in life. And I was really excited to hear a little bit more about Carolyn's story. And uh, I know that you're working on a memoir. Um, so can you tell mm-hmm. us a little bit more about that? Sure, I'd love to. Um, my memoir is about the fact that I, in my late 50s, I was looking for my next partner. And I've actually only had one long-term partner at that point, a seven-year relationship with a wonderful man. And But we were breaking up, and I was trying to get over him, and I needed to figure out how I could get over him and find a next, another partner. But I was stuck on how much I liked him. And so I, since I'm a researcher, I'm a social science researcher, I came up with a project that would try to do those things. I, I gave myself a goal of going out on 50 first dates. That meant 50 different men that I had to at least go on one date with. And the whole point of it was to try to see if she, it was really a research, it was a lot of a research uh, experiment to see what type of men I might want to be with other than the type I had just left with my wonderful other boyfriend. I, I felt like I needed to just see what was out there and see who I would be compatible with that was different. Um, Wonderful. So That's I, great. And yeah, so then your was, your search ended up turning into your memoir, huh? Right. Well, I, 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 the, search was, the search took two and a half years, and I had a lot of fun along the way. I mean, my dates were not just regular old coffee dates. They were fun. They were interesting. I learned a lot about myself. I learned a lot about being with men and what kind of men I would like. It, it kind of fulfilled my goals. And, but I, and I was having, um, and in the end, um, I guess I might give away the end. I mean, I did find Jim out of this project. At the end, I found Jim huh. near the end. And, and along the way, I was telling my friends my, still, my dating stories, and they just said, you have to write this down. This is so good. And I, started, I basically started learning how to write, um, as, you know, write narrative instead of social science and started writing down my stories and found that they were interesting to people. And, and I realized that um, as a woman in her late 50s, I was having a lot of fun dating in, at a time when a lot of women find it very agonizing to date and very judgmental about themselves and very, very tough and depressing. And I was having fun, and so I wanted to share that with people by writing it all down. And that's what I've been doing Wonderful. ever since. Great. And then didn't some of your separate dates as kind of short stories get published already? Um, yeah. I've, I have 
published a few of the dates in different places with, um, online in online magazines. I have. Wonderful. That's yes. great. That's great. Thank you so much for telling us about that. I want to dig a little bit more into that, but let's let's bring mm-hmm. Jim into the conversation now. So, Jim, you're also a scientist and a writer, and you've been with Carolyn for how long now? Six amazing, fantastic years. <laughs> lucky, lucky, Wonderful. Lucky <laughs> Great. And so, Jim, how would you describe your relationship with Carolyn as far as do you, do you consider yourself polyamorous or open or non-monogamous, or are there any labels that you guys use? Yeah, we, we kind of don't use a lot of labels, even though I guess from the outside we are open in the sense that we're open-hearted and we're openly sexual and openly uh, enjoy the company of other people, and yet we're also very, very connected and um we're kind of this, this romantic, romantic kind of only partners for each other. Main squeezes for each other. Special, special, special people mm-hmm. for each other. So uh, mm-hmm. it's a kind of we have our own custom relationship. And so one one of her fifty, you were one of her fifty first dates. Um, how did you and Carolyn first meet? Well, we probably knew each other, but there was a there was a party about six months before we first started dating where there was a kind of tangible electricity where we really could tell there was something really special going on. And then then I then I learned more about the dating project, and I thought, uh oh, I better make sure I get on the bus if it's because I first <laughs> <laughs> I first. Um, I saw I, she was at a party later before we just before we started dating, and I said, "What number are you up to?" And she said, "Well, I'm not sure, but somewhere in the 40s." And I, you know, it's kind of like you, you go to a, a bus stop and the bus is about to leave, and you kind of sit on the back of the bus. It's like, it's like, no, 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 open the door, stop. I don't want to, I don't want to miss the bus. So fortunately, I got on at the last, at the tail end of the 40s. Over 50 days. I love that, that you already knew about her project and you're like, I want to give me one of those dates. That's so fabulous. <laughs> so, Carolyn, I do want to hear um, if you have some ex- ex- excerpts from your book, um, if you feel like now is oh a good God. time to read that, or if, if, or if you want to talk about um, a little bit more about leading up to, you know, maybe talk about, how you became uh, willing to be in an open relationship and and uh, how the, the idea of the book came about a little bit more. Um, yeah, I think I'm going to talk about it because I forgot to bring up an excerpt. It's, it's gonna, I'm going to do it while oh. you're talking to Jim a little later. Sorry. Oh, okay. I, I have it right here. But, because, but I can talk about that topic of, and then I can later read excerpts about it, which is I went into this project knowing that I wanted a, a, a committed relationship, which I assume meant a monogamous relationship. I had My relationship before this had been pretty monogamous. We tried to open it up, and it hadn't been very comfortable to do that. And, and I just knew I, I wanted my own partner. I, wanted, I was ready for a partner. I was in my late 50s. Really, I had not had a committed partner ever. I'd had short relationships and this one seven-year relationship that wasn't that committed. So I knew I wanted commitment, and, and so I was pretty sure I wanted um, a monogamous partner. So, however, I was very, I was pretty open and sexual, and I had a lot of friends. And once I started dating, after I broke up with my other boyfriend, I started seeing um, 
I started I started this dating project, and some of the dates became my lovers, um, and very consciously because I was used to being sexual and used to sleeping with someone. So one of the things I very consciously did was decide that some of my dates were going to be my ongoing lovers during the project, and they were people that I was I, I was pretty sure I would not want to be a partner with, but they were wonderful as lovers and ongoing friends. Um, and so um, I was. I, there were at least three, maybe four or five, who I was seeing regularly during the dating project. I figured that would take a little pressure off the dating because I didn't really want to um, expect being to be sexual with every date. I, I just, I was, so I, you know, that would take the pressure off. And I, but I wanted, I'm very sensual and sexual and wanted that as part of the dating. So, um, so I, I, it was unclear though. So when I was, but, but I ran into trouble from men who expected once they, that I, I was still um, sexual with some of the men, and and some of them wanted me to, once I slept with them, to be monogamous with them while we were dating. And I was thinking, this is not what I'm doing. I'm not, I'm not going to monogamously date. I'm going to, I'll be monogamous when I find my partner, but until I find my partner, I'm going to, be with whoever I want. That's part of the advantage of being single. <laughs> and so I was going to do it. So um, so it became a dilemma in my dating project. I really had a lot of thinking to do about, well, does that mean I'm poly? I mean, does, does that, because I because I was accused of being, you're, you're not monogamous. And I said, yes, I am. I just because I'm, I'm dating. That's, dating is by definition not monogamous to me. But once I find my guy, I'm going to want to be, um, settled down and not settled down, but but committed and just be with him. I'm sure that if I found the right person, I would want to do that. So um, I really that's interesting, Carolyn. Um, I just mm-hmm. want to mm-hmm. interject and say that um, I feel like we could do a whole um, a whole show just on you know is about date you know whether you're monogamous or not while you're dating. That's a very interesting topic. Yeah. So thank you for bringing that up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Sure. Sure. Go ahead. Oh, sorry. Oh, well, well so I, I'm just saying it was, uh, you know, it was really into the last couple of dates and being uh, and meeting Jim and being with him kind of clinched the, 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 what was going to end up being the solution because I really, until the end, was saying I'm looking for my monogamous partner, but I was confused because I kept running into these men who were monogamous and, I, and they were so kind of controlling or not controlling but confining about it. It didn't feel like even if I had wanted to be their partner, I didn't think I could imagine being with them. But then I had all these models of men who were married or married men who were in other relationships who I could, who were some of which were my lovers, um, I could be with, but I wasn't their main person. And I said, I don't want to be a secondary relationship. I don't want to be, I want to be someone's main person, but I'm not sure I want to share. So I didn't know if I wanted to be a, 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 a what's called a polyamorous relationship of someone being with someone who was loving other people also. So it didn't really, um, I'm not sure whether I should say the ending now or not. <laughs> Jim was the solution to all that. All that. Yeah, spoiler alert for people that might read your yes, book please. later. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, that's fabulous. Yeah, please do, Jim. I was going to say that when uh, when we first started dating, I asked, Carolyn, a question that might have been a touchy question. Uh, I said, do you have any other lovers? And she said, yeah. And I said, um, can I ask who they are? And she listed 
three three or four of them, and I said, oh, my God, they're all really special friends of mine, guy friends of mine. I said, don't ever stop that. That You have such great taste in lovers. <laughs> Enjoy. And, and then later, I made, made a sort of commitment from a group of people saying, I never want to take the Carolyn out of Carolyn. And I never Beautiful. want to take the, the, her her way of doing mm-hmm. life, her enthusiasm, her and and I and I I've stayed with that commitment. That's wonderful. And so, at what point, when you were dating Jim, did you realize he was the one, Carolyn? <laughs> well, I, I had like Jim said, we we met at a party um, later in my dating, and I just had a flash that I might. It was more like I had this flash that I should be with someone like him. I wasn't sure whether he was available. I wasn't sure whether he was the person for me, but I, I had this big attraction to him at this party that he mentioned. And we both had this feeling of, oh, my God, I, um, like that's who I should be with because he was smart, he was funny, he was relaxed, he was easy in his body, he was, he was sexual, but he was sensitive. And he was all these things I was actually looking for. And I... It, I mean, and the list, I had a list, of course, by the end of the project, but I, it also was just this feeling of that's who I should be with. But at, at that, I couldn't, that, that didn't work out right then. It wasn't the right time. And, and I, I thought he was, I, I actually heard that he was too, quote, unquote, poly. You know, so people actually warned me about him that, you know, that, no, no, he's too poly. You're looking for something more committed. So I, I actually kind of stayed away from him until, um, until near the end when um, he asked, he, as, he, as he said, he asked to be one of my dates. And I figured, well, might as well, you know, go on a date with him because if he's the type I like, because a lot of it, I don't know if it was clear, but I was really dating for types, not for individuals. I was trying to try out different types of men and give myself mm. the experience of the, the model man I wanted to be with. As I got near the end, I was really with these wonderful models some of whom were my friends and who were married, but I would go on a date with them and just experience what it was like to be with the type of man who matched me intellectually, emotionally, physically, spiritually. And, and, and it, I felt like it was good um, imprinting for me to be able to then um, basically, it's a little spiritual, but, but sending that out to the universe that this is who I want to be with. So I, I, right. I, I accepted the date with him for the same reason, like, well, I'll experience him and see because I like his energy. And I'll see. And what happened was our first date was so wonderful that um, at that point, I, and I, we could describe the date if we have time, but because um, but, it was a comp, shall, shall I do that? Well, I shall like I how I just wanted to say, I, yeah. I just wanted to interject and say how the fact that you committed to doing 50 dates and also that you were wanting to just experience what it's like to be with people who are different, different types. Those, those yeah. two objectives seem to allow you to step out of that anxiety that a lot of people have around dating. And, you know, they go on the sixth or seventh or tenth date, and they're like, oh, there's nobody out there. Personal ads suck. Mm-hmm. And you didn't have to go through that as much, I would imagine, because you had these other objectives that weren't about, like, i got to find him as fast as possible. Exactly. Exactly. That's how it worked. And it, it's true. It, it, the, having the goal worked for me. It's true. I'm a quantitative researcher. Some people say that's why it works for me. But I, I, to me, having the goal of 50 
because um, I went through a lot with different dates. I had my heart broken. I fell a little in love with a few people, and they didn't want to be with me. And or I broke a few hearts along the way too. But um, every time I, I was, I felt sad that I was not going to be with someone. I, I, it was so easy to pick myself up and say, "Well, I'm going on to the next date, or where's the next date?" Or I would have the next date already lined up. And it was, it was this feeling of momentum and skipping lightly over each date, even though I still felt and experienced each date. It, it, it was just, you're right, it was not all that heaviness, like, is this the one, is this the one? No, I'm going to 50, and, and I'm, I can keep going, and this is fun. Or it, and even when it I hurt, it was, it was fun, I, I have to say. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I had another thought that having an objective like that of going on a lot of dates can give women in particular the experience of saying no because I think we get really afraid to say that and afraid to reject people. And so it gives us mm-hmm. that experience of kind of thickening our skin a little and saying no to a lot of people until you find the right one. Right, right. You can say no because, yeah, you can say no and they can say no. You can both say no. Like, mm-hmm. um because you can either tell them you're doing this project. Some of the people I did, some people I didn't. It was some people I just didn't call back or they didn't call me back or, or I would say, um, I'm sorry, I don't think that's going to work. Or, but it was, it, there was a real free, feeling of freedom to that, of not being desperate on each date. But it took the heaviness that's, away. That's great. Um, so, so, yeah, can, I would like to I hear more about your date, but... Um, I just wanted to say, um, if you wanted to get your um, excerpts from your book, um, I could have Jim tell that story. Okay. Um, That would be great. I have have one ready. I have three little excerpts. Um, I have one ready now about the... the, um, Okay, well, why don't we have Jim... Why don't we have Jim tell the story about your date, uh, if... If it's kind oh, of, if he knows what you were going to yeah. say. Okay. Yeah, he does. Our very first date. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, our very, yeah, our very first date was was pretty special. I put some preface to it, which was that it had it had it had been that party that we referred to six months before, where there was a lot of electricity going, and there was this this um, also this phone call we'd had, where um, okay. before we ever started dating, maybe a few weeks before, where Carolyn said, you know, you know what, I'm actually going to. Um, to Greece for a month, to the Greek islands, and um, I'm looking if anybody wants to go with me. And I said, I'll go. And we hadn't even dated before. But there's something just spontaneous that came out of it, something about it. It's like, yeah, I would go. And um, as it turns out, I'll sort of fast forward a little bit, our, se- our seventh date was t- t- two weeks together in the Greek islands. And wow. it was, we, we, we call it the, uh, the honeymoon before the relationship. <laughs> and it was. It was truly a honeymoon. So the very first date, which I'll get back to, um, was um, actually kind of a triple date. We went biking. We went to actually a dear, very dear friend's memorial, believe it or not. Um, and it's um, part of that we had so many friends in common that that would be possible. And the other thing is that, that um, Carolyn's previous boyfriend she mentioned of seven years uh, Peter, she calls in the book, um, had just left, and we actually we got to get to she got to cry together. We got to cry or have her cry together um, about that loss. So it was a very deep date, a, a first date and a date about 
um, which we've always had ever since, which is really being connected and want to be connected about what we're uh, feeling about, what we're emo- or emotions are happening in the moment. So that's that's a value we've kept with us, and it really began in the very first date, the very sweet first date. Beautiful. It sounds really mm-hmm. lovely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anything, yeah. anything you want to add to that, Carolyn? Yeah, it just said it was a really, you know, the date was a combination of things we like to do that ended up echoing it throughout our relationship. We had a morning bike ride in on over on the island of Alameda. Um, we, we continue to bike ride now. We went to a memorial service in, a, in our community of friends. We continue to do things in our community of friends. We, we went back to my house, and I was feeling overwhelmed because Peter had left, and I, was, and I was also feeling a lot from the memorial, and I was feeling a lot just getting to know Jim. And so I just felt like I needed to be held, and he just held me, and I cried. We didn't, kiss, we didn't even kiss. We just, he just held me, and it just felt so good to be able to just be in my feelings. And then we went to another party of a, of a friend that was having a celebratory party that night, another friend that we had in common with. It was it's not a memorial, it was the opposite of a memorial, it was a celebration. And so it was, it, it, that's, that's what our life is like now. And it just felt so right to do all those things. And I didn't usually do three things on a date, usually. You know, on my first date, I would do one thing. You know, but the fact that we did three or four things was pretty indicative of how much connection we had. Beautiful. Yeah, it became Thank a you. kind of insight. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it sounds like that. Cool. Um, so you ready to read something from your book? Karen? Yeah, yeah. I have three little excerpts. Can I read them all? They kind of relate. Sure, absolutely. Okay. I'll just say it. Tell me if it's too long. Okay. So this is a date um, named Phil who had become my lover, and he was going to be my, one of my lovers ongoing in the, in the dating. And we were just sitting in my kitchen um, one evening. I said, one evening I asked Phil to read the ad I had written for an online dating service. Um, and, a date, and Phil was about date number 24. I needed to generate dates from outside my own circles. Friends had convinced me to be honest in the ad about my new age activities, such as clothing optional beaches and resorts, spiritual ceremonies, and personal growth workshops in order to attract a man who liked the same things. I had also included a specific vision of the relationship I wanted, noting that I had spent the last 20 years in short relationships and was now ready for a long-term committed partnership. I didn't want to waste time answering ads from men who did not want that. But I wasn't sure how accurately I had portrayed myself, so I wanted feedback from a man I was dating. Still read my ad with interest and said, this describes you perfectly. I'd date you. I was relieved. Except for one thing, he said. What, I had, what had I left out? You're not monogamous. What? I said, peering at the ad. It says here that you want a monogamous relationship, but I don't see you as monogamous. Of course you don't. That's because I'm dating lots of guys to find my partner. But once I find my partner, I'll, I'll want to focus on him. Hmm, looks to me like you really enjoy having different lovers. I do, but once I meet my guy, I don't think I'll want that. Phil looked doubtful. He knew how much I was enjoying having him as one of my three main lovers. However, I was sure I would give them all up once I found my partner. I wanted to attract a man who would be monogamous. I knew that deep down I wanted a man all to myself and to be my man's one and only. I'm leaving it in, I said, taking the ad from Phil. I was definitely monogamous. That's that one. Bravo. Wow. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. 
So you left it in. And okay, so I guess the next two excerpts will tell us a little more, huh? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Here's, here's the next one, date 31. Okay. <clears throat> and this is, actually, this is actually now the prologue to my book. You're still sleeping with other guys? He said this in a voice just shrill enough so the other diners at the cozy Ethiopian restaurant could hear. I had suggested this romantic restaurant in Berkeley for our fifth date because I thought that a white guy who performed African dance would like Ethiopian. It was a bad place to have this discussion. But I told you that on our first date at your house, I said in a low whispered voice, trying to discourage listening by the other diners. I made sure it was okay with you before we slept together. You said you had other lovers then, he said, but why would you keep seeing them after that night? Because they're my lovers, I said. They support me while I look for a partner. How can you do that to me, he asked, and went on talking about how hurt he was. Inside, I was sighing. Apparently, it had not been enough to tell him that I had other lovers. He had his own dating rules, and I had violated the one that says, stop sleeping with all others once one night has been spent. It was monogamous dating. Yes, I wanted a monogamous partner, but while I was dating, I couldn't be monogamous. Couldn't he see the difference? Okay, that's that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a juicy topic. I think it, it is its own. It deserves its own devoted topic. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> Excellent. Yeah, yeah. There. So, um, um, I'm going to read one more paragraph. Okay. Okay, um, great. This this is um, I had just been at a party, um, at which. Um, several of my friends and some of my lovers were there, and I'd been sexual with one of the men, and um, who and I had a date with him the next night. Um, that man. So I woke up the next, but but he was married. Um, this man I had a date with. He was going to be my 45th date. I woke up the next morning feeling peaceful, but wondering again how I would find a partner if I kept being lovers with polyamorous men who already had primary partners or wives. Where is my primary partner? A better option might be to date only monogamous men. However, monogamy felt so confining. I'd already brought grief to several men who had expected me to give up my other lovers after sleeping with the new men only once or twice. I wished I could find another Reed, who was date number 10 and Olivia's devoted partner. He supported her to seek other lovers when she wanted. Okay, that's it. Beautiful. Thank you so much. I love your writing. Oh, thank you, thank you. Can yeah, I can I say something? Very interesting. Sure. I was just going to say that 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 how lucky I have felt all through these years that I get these stories as kind of bedtime stories about Carolyn. So it's really been a treat to be in a relationship with a writer to get so much color and 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 wonderful stories. From who she who she dated before me. That's been been a treasure. Lovely. So I love your attitude, Jim, and I want to dig a little bit more into how you do your relationship, how both of you do the relationship now. Um, but first, I just mm-hmm. want to mention if anyone is just joining us, you're listening to Leading Edge Love Radio, and this is your host Sumati Sparks, the Open Relationship Coach at SumatiSparks.com, and we're speaking with Bay Area writers and scientists, Carolyn and Jim. And Carolyn is working on her memoir, 51st Dates. And Jim was one of her dates. And now they've been in a relationship for six years. 
And I'd like to hear a little bit about how you do your relationship. It sounds like it's not you, you don't consider yourselves polyamorous because you don't have uh, you know, intimate relationships necessarily, but you have loving friendships that are sexual. And we talked earlier about how there really needs to be mm-hmm. a word just for that. So um, maybe mm-hmm. one of you can tell us a little bit more about what your relationship is like now. Hmm. Jim, you want to go ahead? Okay, go I will Jim. go ahead. Um, well, first off, um, and kind of coming off that very first date, we really hold connection as I would say as our highest our highest value. And what that means is that we haven't seen each other for a week, a day, even a few hours. We might say, you know what, let's just sit on the couch or lie in bed and just connect, just get back together and, and you know, feel each other's get each other's feelings and get back. And that's that's been so important for like when conflicts come up, which don't come up very often, but if they do we oh, we try to, and we're pretty good at seeing them as opportunities for um, getting to know each other better. So that's a kind of, um, I don't know, a kind of anchor that we have all along. So, And the other thing I was going to say is not to get too philosophical, but we, we don't practice what I call sexual exceptionalism, sexual exceptionalism, where sex is somehow a completely different planet from everything else. It, it's a natural, wonderful thing. So, are, so is having emotional relationships, so is dining with other people. And so we as much as we totally treasure and enjoy sex, we don't we don't put it on a completely different pedestal. And um and we don't make and we don't have a well anything we is we is we have a relationship based on principles and affection and appreciations, not rules. Uh we have agreements but they're positive agreements. So we, we try to have what you might call choreograph everything. Uh, so that we're appreciative and positive, and, and it's, it, I mean, every day I wake up with her, it's like, I feel so lucky, and, and I try to bring that into every moment. So maybe it sounds almost overly romantic, but it's it's a sweet way, it's a sweet way to live life, is to, mm-hmm. is to have if we can appreciate, and and so when Carolyn is sexual or interested in sexual with somebody else, like, yeah, you go, girl. Wonderful. And yeah, yeah, you've said that several times throughout this conversation, Jim, and I, I have to ask you the question that everyone asks when they hear about open relationships. Don't you ever feel jealous? Um, very rarely. Um, and if and when I do, that's another wonderful topic of conversation where, where it's, it's an opportunity to get closer together. Well, how do you really feel about what's really going on? What's What's the... You know what's the what's the deeper feelings in there, and and it's for for me it's not a it's not a it's not a block as they say as improvisational as they say in improvisational theater it's an it's an offer it's an opening it's a new possibility so we try to face mm. even things that are jealousy is really and ultimately about I think it's about being afraid you're going to lose the other person and. Mm-hmm. Uh, and after a while, we realized, lucky me, <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm not, I'm, but, I'm not going to lose her. Hmm. You were going to say something, I Carolyn? Say, did you want? I, I could say, I could add to that. Could I? Yeah, go ahead and go ahead and add to that. But I also wanted to ask you. Um, Jim mentioned that you do have agreements, but they're positive. So maybe you could tell us a little more mm-hmm. about that as well, Carolyn. Okay. Well, well, I where I was going to start was. You know, I do feel jealous. I, I can easily feel jealous. But what Jim has done, the way the way Jim has been with me since early on is 
Um, I, he's been very present with me. He's been very honoring of the feelings I have. And so, um, so I didn't have to start out being jealous or if I, sometimes I was, he would quickly reassure me. He would quickly be there. And one of the agreements we have that really helps this is, well, well, first of all, what Jim said of just being connected whenever we're together and starting to be connected. And when we're going into a group, just a regular party, we are always, we stay connected. We, we are connected. We go together. We stay connected. And if we're going to split up, we are first, you know, kiss or say work together. Hello. You know, we're connected. But more importantly, if we're going to have sex with other people, um, we are, that what, I, what we have is total permission to um, be there with each other, be there also, and or um, and and interrupt and come out, come up for reassurance and and because mm-hmm. what I feel as our agreement is knowing that I am what I number one I, what I wanted which is I wanted someone who was mainly committed to me and that's what Jim mm-hmm. has shown me and over the years and it's and it's been six years and so. I was more jealous the first year than I am now. Now I hardly have any reason to be jealous because, as Jim said, I know he's staying. Um, the, you know, that kind of comes with time, that knowledge. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, so, so I love that really agreement built- where when, when, one of you, when you're at a party, if one of you is with another person, you have permission to go up and join or even interrupt. Yeah. And knowing that yes. you're always welcome, you can always be included, um, I'm sure that makes it a lot easier. Oh my God! It it, 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 it it makes it it makes it because otherwise because I I always have that feeling that I I am the most important person that no one's taking my place. It is that thing of is someone going to take my place? Well, Jim's made it very clear that no one is, and that he mm-hmm. likes to be and that he likes to be sexual with other people. And I and part of it was learning to see him be sexual be happy in that way while he was connecting with me, you know, while he was managed to stay connected with me and also be sexual with other people so that I could appreciate what that he likes that and, and mm-hmm. he could appreciate how I like it. So mm-hmm. I can, I can add something to that, um, which is it's one of the most heartwarming experiences in my entire life to have Carolyn watch me be there with me when I'm sexual with somebody else. And and see me with a capital S. See me. See that this is something I truly love to do, and that she can see that in me. And that's just like so heartwarming. And so it's like I know, it's like you know she's my she's my my sweetie for life. Just for seeing that mm. depth in me. It, it's it's a totally transforming moment when your lover really sees that level of depth in in, in me. So that that made a that. Totally shifted our relationship several several notches deeper when that when that when we, could, when we could do that. Beautiful, I love that. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to ask another question, but first I want to, if anyone's listening live, you're welcome to call in and ask Carolyn and Jim any questions about open relationship, how they do their relationship, any questions at all. The call in number is area code nine four nine two seven two. Nine four eight three, nine four nine two seven two nine four eight three, and uh, if you do call in, I will have you on mute for a while, but then I'll um, take you off mute and let you ask your question. So my question is, uh, Carolyn, you talked about how Jim was very—you used the words present and honoring mm-hmm. of your feelings. 
which made it really uh-huh. easy for you to work through any jealous feelings or insecurities and to ask for the reassurance you needed. So my question is, for the listeners who aren't familiar with these terms, who might be new to polyamory, uh-huh. how can uh-huh. you describe those words? Like, what are the behaviors that go with being present uh-huh. and honoring? Wow, that's a great question. That's, um, wow. Um, well, one of the things is hearing what I needed. When, when, when we were first dating, we were both still seeing other people as lovers. He had lovers, I had lovers. But we were about to go on this trip to Greece. And, um, and so I, I've, I, I was saying I feel funny about going on this trip to Greece with you when you're still seeing other people because I had actually stopped. I, I, I had lovers, but I really had stopped right then. And, and he said, okay. And so he, even though he was seeing someone he kind of liked, um, um, not, a, not someone who was going to be a partner, but someone, a lover he liked, he, agreed, he said, I'll stop seeing her until we go to Greece. And it, and it was just that, it was like a gift. It was like, wow, he really heard my concern, and I felt like he gave me himself and said, and, and what he was saying behind that was, was I'm going to be present with you until then and on this trip because it's a big deal trip. And so that was mm-hmm. one thing. That was, a big, that was the first big thing he did. Um, uh, now he does, what he does is when, whenever we're on the phone, he, I feel like he, I have his full attention. Whenever we're um, together, he's the one who often says, let's connect, let's, let's check in. Um, and then he's when he's he really wants to. We, we have little rituals like when we sit down to eat. He wants to, he kisses me and blesses the the meal. So I feel like we're we're kind of bringing ourselves into the meal together. Um, um, if I ever say I'm feeling funny about something, I, he really did say when he said it's an opportunity to work things out or to get to know each other. He's very enthusiastic about when I have something I feel bad about. He really wants to hear. <laughs> so it makes me feel wow, I think our fe- bring stuff up. Yeah. I'm sorry to interrupt. I think our female listeners are wondering if you have any brothers, Jim. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great question. What I was going to say, though, to add to what she said was, I do actually, but, um, um, but which is that if she, if, if Carolyn says, I'm feeling jealous or, or even like a, like a, like a micro jealousy. Like I'm feeling a little tweaked. He'll use that word. My, I usually try to, I say, you know what, let's sit down right now. Let's take some time to really listen to what you have to say. It's not just, Oh, I'm really sorry to hear that. It's like, Whoa, great opportunity. Let's sit down. Let's find a place. Let's connect and let's hear. I want to hear more about what you're, what, what's going on. And it's a great, mm-hmm. it's just wonderful. Because I get to know her better. Like, what's 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 not to like about that? Yeah, and how did you get to that point where you could not get defensive or reactive and just be excited about learning what she had to say, so that it would bring you more intimacy and closer together? Have you always been that way, or did you have to kind of learn that? I had to learn it. I definitely had to learn it. I had some relationships that weren't so. I, I think I had some some. Um, I had some relationships that were, which were, let's just say the women were way more, way more um, uh, easily triggered. Less anyway, a lot harder. And so I guess I think I got some some training with some uh, uh, harder, 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 harder people. 
<laughs> so anyway, but yeah, it's I don't want to say it, but it, but yeah, it's it's something I learned, and also something I should say that that uh, we've we've been to relationship workshops like the Human Awareness Institute, sometimes called High, H A I, has been has some great uh, teachings mm-hmm. founded by Stan yeah. Dale. And how do you you know it's like relationships don't just like come naturally. You do have to learn them and try them and practice them, and and um, so a lot of stuff we've learned together, and we bring those principles into our relationship. Um, yeah, not not kind of a hard thing to do, but as a as a, it, it turns out it's really fun. At first, it's like, oh my god, you have to like, it's going to be hard. We won't like this, you know. We're just doing it because you know, take your medicine. It's not true. It's really, really fun to connect, even over hard stuff. And it requires. I know, a Carolyn. You want to want to do it. Right, right. And mm-hmm. I'm going to give you a chance to talk about high as well, Carolyn, but I just want to say <laughs> first, uh, yeah. if people want to know more about high, they can go to their website, hai.org. Um, but go ahead. What did you have to say, Carolyn? Well, I just wanted to reiterate how important those workshops and other personal growth workshops have were. I had already been going to the workshops and helping with them for 10 years when I started dating. And what I learned from them was it was a lot of positive how important it is to do to appreciate people to appreciate myself to um to look at things positively to not take things personally i i just learned a lot over the, the years of those workshops um do do teach a lot of self love and a lot of appreciation for others and keeping on that hot tuned up level um really helps relationships in general and I, 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 for me, it was a, a godsend when I was single to be in those workshops and learning how to relate to men in an open way. That it also, they also just encourage us to be honest, like Jim said. It's, it means a lot to share with someone and just have them listen. There's a lot of listening and listening, not feedback, just listening and being feeling heard and feeling appreciated for who you were. And and so mm-hmm. that kind of sunk into me. And and that and that yeah. I, that is what we try to bring in our, to our relationship. It sounds like you do that. And I liked what Jim said about at first it seems like, oh, we have to take our medicine to keep our relationship going strong and it's going to taste bad, but it's good for us. Um, but then you flip that to understand that these little opportunities to listen to each other, to be present for each other, are really what create the bond that enhances the love and I'm imagining it enhances the sex as well. And I think that men mm-hmm. don't understand that, that that little bit of investment can create a huge return in passion and intimacy. And so um, maybe you guys can talk about what your sex life is now, what it's like now after mm. six years. Mm. Well, And I then also, I, I Carolyn, if we want to get into yeah. the, the the topic, the taboo topic of menopause, postmenopausal female yeah. sexuality. I'd love to touch on that a little bit too. So let's let's okay. go into sex now. <laughs> should, okay. Should I start should I go? Should I start? I mean one of the yeah. sure, one of ahead. the things I one of the things I love is that um about our relationship is I mean I I love making love with Jam. I love intercourse. And so that's you know, that's something that's a big part of our relationship. In fact, one of our, I, 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 it's kind of an agreement, but it's also what we want to do, which is we make love every morning that we're together and every evening before we go to bed. 
And so that is a connection that keeps us very bonded. And so, um, you know, we, that's, we do that always. And then um, we, I need a, you know, I don't, we, and, need, and it's kind of more of a tantric feeling, tantric meaning more of a spiritual, sensual, um, open-hearted connection because we don't focus on orgasm. We focus on being close. And that is, that's actually mm. what I love about being intercourse. It it's makes, makes me feel close to the man that I'm with. That's just a closeness. And so mm-hmm. um, we, we don't really spend time trying to have orgasm in, in those times. We sometimes, on, you know, when we have more time, Jim has become a master at figuring out how I can have an orgasm. And so mm-hmm. he does that in various ways. Um, and I so appreciate him. And what, another way he's very present is he makes me feel like he has all the time in the world for that. When we, when mm-hmm. we take the time, mm-hmm. like on a weekend or something, he, 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 mm-hmm. just, he, he just is there for me, the, totally, whatever I want, however I want him to touch me, he will do it. So that's just another way of being present. Um, the way the menopause, yeah, so that's just how I think of our sex life. But also, just the other part of our sex life is that we go to, part, mostly we go to parties or we don't do too many dates, but maybe a party with other friends who are being sexual with each other. And we are sexual with other people there, but we stay very connected. We, we, we make love mm-hmm. with each, our, each other when we first get to the party and at the end also, no matter even if we're mm-hmm. with other people or not. So it's just a very connected way of being sexual. Um, and, but, but take mm-hmm. a I like that. that. Like... Mm-hmm. Go ahead. Oh, I was just yeah. going to interject before you continue that um, mm-hmm. that's a beautiful tool that I think a lot of couples in long-term relationships can take home with them and that is to let go of the orgasm, not be attached to sex being about trying to get off, but just Mm -hmm. the closeness that it creates um, and the way that it keeps you bonded to have that kind of agreement to you know make love for connection as opposed to for orgasm. It's just a beautiful tool. I think Mm -hmm. it relieves a lot of pressure for women who maybe feel like they don't, there might be expectations of them when they're not really feeling that sexual. It's a way to, for women to stay juicy and connected without that pressure. And also for men to Mm -hmm. not have any performance anxiety and to just show up and be present for their woman. So that's a beautiful tool. And I just want to acknowledge Mm -hmm. you for sharing Mm -hmm. that with the audience. Yeah. Uh, thank you. Uh, yeah. The other thing I'll, I want to add to that before I get to the menopause part is is one of the other things we do is we kiss a lot. We are luckily I, part of the reason I feel like we're together is we we want the same amount of touch. So we're a lot of times hugging and kissing, and we spend all night wrapped in each other's arms kissing. So we we just mm. happen to be two people who who can sleep that closely. Not everybody can, but that mm-hmm. really makes I I feel makes us feel close too. Beautiful. It's part of of just our physical closeness. It kind of is a continuum from kissing to making love, but it all fits together, really. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. So shall I go into the menopause part? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, okay. Well, my story is, as um, you might be able to tell, I was pretty sexual in my 40s. I really was my sexual prime. I had different lovers. I had a... My, my long-term lover was very sexual. I was loved being sexual. And menopause hit at 50, and I could tell immediately that my libido was dropping. And I was so dismayed. I felt like, how could this be happening to me? Why me? I'm so sexual. 
And I went to a workshop with Margot Anon, who's a, um, a, a tantric teacher. A sexual ex- her book is called Sexual Ecstasy. And the, 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 the workshop is called Sexual Ecstasy for Women Over 50. And there were about 30 of us there at the workshop. And she was trying to help us continue to be sexually ex- ex- um, ecstasy. And she asked who, whose libido, the, the state of our libidos, whether they had gone up, stayed the same, and gone down. And, and it was about a third, a third, a third. Some women's libido goes up, some stays the same, and some goes down. So I was pretty dismayed to be in the group that it went down. And, but what I, what I decided to do then, and I'm really glad I did, is um, I just decided to keep having sex, even though what, what dropped was the lust. Like I wasn't like longing to have sex or lusting. And it already had been hard for me to have orgasms. It was still was a little hard. But I found that if I just, but luckily since I liked sex with men at the closest, I could be sexual and sometimes I would be turned on. Sometimes I wouldn't and sometimes I would. And so I have, I have since I was 50 continued to make love. It's an activity that I just love for the closest. And, um, and I'm really glad I have. I mean, I also have used bioidentical hormones to keep up that some of that feeling, um, and mm-hmm. um, I I just feel like um, I didn't. Part of my dating project, the reason I wanted to have lovers is I didn't want to get used to not having sex, and I didn't want to stop, and I wanted to keep continue. And I know that um, you know I, I know a lot of women who've just been not sexual for a long time and then blossomed and, you know, found a new lover. Sometimes it is about having finding a new lover and just blossoming and having a lot of um, it coming alive again. Um, and I certainly felt coming alive, you know, when I met Jim and, and also actually with other lovers. Um, and, but it's also right. about choosing to be sexual, basically. It's, it's that. Mm. That's beautiful. Yeah, I wanted to just share about myself that I'm also a postmenopausal woman and I've been in a relationship for 10 years and was with him when I went through menopause and I also had a similar shift to you where I lost my mm-hmm. libido and we already had uh, somewhat of an open relationship but when we opened it even more um, that's when my libido came back so I could still have my primary partner but I had this renaissance of my libido by having the freedom to date new people and that newness kind of woke me up again. And I think that can be Mm -hmm. true for a lot of women if you're in in the kind of relationship that, that that works for. Um, But tell me a little Mm -hmm. bit, do you think that going to parties and having those, those uh, loving, loving sexual friendships at parties also keeps your libido going and enhances your sex life with Jim, Carolyn? Um, definitely, definitely, because it because it's fun. It's all it's very lighthearted, but we at parties we try out different things with different people. We use different sex toys and stuff like that, and it's it's very fun. And uh, and I just feel like I feel alive. I mean, I I, I have um, I, I come I I do come alive. I mean, I feel like my vital energy is sexual, and that I need that to to in my life. And sometimes I forget it because I'm not feeling that lust. But whenever but when it when I do it, I feel much better. So yeah, um, it does, yeah. I think a lot it, of it women. Would, it would not. Mm-hmm. Go ahead, Carolyn. I can add something oh, too. Well, uh, well, say, let me, um, 
good, Jim. I just want to add this one thing. It would not work, however, if I was feeling anxious about Jim being with other people or being afraid that um, I was going to be left alone and that it was going to end up, um, that I was going to be left out in some way. It is all based on the trust that I have with Jim that, that those parties are good. It wouldn't, I couldn't just go to them. It wouldn't just work to go to them just just to try to be with someone. If I knew that if I was with someone, he would leave. You know, he would go off with someone that I didn't feel safe with or something. Mm-hmm. It's If mm-hmm. I didn't try, it's, it's all built around. It all works because of the trust that he's built with me. Beautiful. Yeah, I just wanted to say before you jump in, Jim, that um, – the the decision that you made, uh, you know, when you were going through menopause to stay sexual, even if you didn't feel super lusty or really turned on, mm-hmm. um, the decision you made to make love and do it in more of a tantric connected kind of way and the decision you've made to continue to make love with Jim and also go to parties, I think really does um, generate that life force in us as we age, because I look around mm-hmm. at the people that I know in our sex positive communities and in general, almost everybody looks younger than their years. And mm-hmm. I think that a lot of women lose their sex drive and they just say, Oh, leave me alone. I've had my kids, you know, whatever, you know, menopause or maybe they have an illness and it's really easy to just shut that down um, but I mm-hmm. think making a conscious choice to keep it alive can really bring that life force into our bodies and keep us youthful and energized. And when I look at pictures of you guys, I can't believe you're in your mid-60s. You just have so much youthfulness and playfulness and energy around you. So you're a real, real role model. So thank you for that. Um, and um, go ahead, Jim. You had something you wanted to add. Well, I wanted to echo with you. Yeah, thank you, Simati. The I wanted to echo the the health theme, um, sex really is not just really fun and really connected and really uh, romantic, but it's also just healthy. Um, I, I think of sex as, as a celebration of being alive. Being alive is amazing, and, and sex is a way of celebrating that. Um, and mm-hmm. I would say that, that the, going to these parties or having sex with some of our favorite friends really does keep my libido alive, too. Um, and so it's part of um part of how we choreograph our relationship is to we 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 stay in really good physical shape we we run and we bicycle uh and we do pilates um but we all and we also keep our sexual health so so it's more than as as wonderful as and romantic as sex is there's a beautiful health side to it and and uh, as we'd like to say it keeps a village it takes a village to keep us <laughs> It really does take a minute. That's great. So we just have a few more minutes, but um, before we close, I want to ask you, how do you imagine the future of your relationship? Oh, I love this question. (laughs) Um, I just want to quickly say that I I think it's going to be kind of like it is today. um, because you know we 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 work intensely we we are together intensely we go on trips and have fun with our friends or just with each other and i think we're just going to go do more of the same i mean we're i'm about to we're going to i'm going to retire soon it's going to be more even more chance to travel but we're also both very um committed to our life projects mine is at the moment writing and her jim has his own project 
So we're, I think we're just going to continue to figure out a great balance of work and play and love and sex. And um, I think it's going to be great. Wonderful. How about That's you, fine. Jim? Well, um, one of the things that I've noticed is, and I love, is that even bringing up the topic of the future is a really <laughs> romantic, erotic <laughs> conversation for us. It's just exciting to talk about our future. Uh-huh. And, and we often had many, many wonderful dinners where that was the main topic and many wonderful long walks in Puerto Vallarta, Mexico, where that was the topic. And, and it's an ever, ever kind of overflowing with enthusiasm and fun topic. So um, I'm definitely looking forward to our future. I love that. That's so beautiful. Mm. I can imagine all the female listeners just swooning hearing that. <laughs> well, uh, I just want to say congratulations to both of you for finding such a great match um, where you can yeah. really support each other in every every aspect of your life. And uh, good job, Carolyn, with your 51st date uh. project that worked. Uh. <laughs> Thank you. And, um, lucky, lucky me. And, <laughs> yes, lucky both of you. You're both very, very blessed. And, and Carolyn, mm-hmm. when um, I know that you don't have a publishing oh. date for your book yet. But if mm-hmm. um, our listeners want to know when it when it does come out, is yeah. there a way that uh, they can reach you? Um, actually, I was going to make a, a, a special email and I didn't do that, um, so I'm not. Okay, sure how well to they do could that. write they could write to me. How's that? Oh, okay. that would be great. That would be great. Okay, so and you can so forward it. Okay. Yeah, just sumati at sumatisparks.com, S-U-M-A-T-I at S-U-M-A-T-I sparks, S-P-A-R-K-S dot com. And uh, if you just write to me and say, let me know when Carolyn's book is published, then I will pass your email along to her when the time comes. Oh, thank you. Thank you, Sumati. Okay, thank Thank you you. both so much for being on the show, and I just wish you all the blessings in the world. Thank oh, you for having us. I feel even more in love with Carolyn after the show. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> yeah. And I, and, thanks. and I feel so appreciative of you, Sumati, and your, your loving way of asking questions and, and making us feel supported and special. So thanks for having us. It was delightful. Thank you. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Okay. We'll see you yeah. soon. Bye-bye. Okay, bye-bye. Bye. Bye.